Superman Forever Radio, Episode 87, Super Talk with John M. Wilson, Part 2. than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, people believe tall buildings at a single bound, the engine of ship is now the man of steel, Superman! Hello and welcome to Superman Forever Radio. I'm Bob Fisher. So Superman Forever is a podcast where I take an aspect of Superman's great history and talk about it. This time, I'm talking about that great history with John M. Wilson. You may know him from several of his podcasts, and we talked about that last time. If this is the first time you've picked up or downloaded Superman Forever, you may want to go back to the archives and pick up the previous episode, episode number 86, for part one of this conversation with John Wilson. And if you'd like to know my history and how I came to host the Superman Forever radio podcast, then download episode 79. That'll be my history and how I came to host this show. Now, in the previous episode at number 86, uh, part one of my conversation with John Wilson, we talked about his reading project and how he is in now the Silver Age, and not only the Silver Age of Superman comics is he reading, but he is at the Silver Anniversary, the 25th year. So in the last four or five years, John has read 25 years worth of Superman comics, and we talked about that last time in part one, and in particular issues 162 of Superman, Superman Red, Superman Blue, and a few other things. Now, this time we pick up where we had uh, left off, and we'll get to that in just a couple of minutes. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring Superman and Batman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, the DC Comics Presents Show, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, It's Superman, the Schuster Herald Podcast, the Carousel Podcast, Superman Forever Radio, Superman Lives, Up, Up and Away, Cadmus to Crisis, a Superboy Podcast. The Armature Steel, a John Henry Allen's podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, Russell Bragg, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Bob Fisher, Chris Moe, Mario Benessi, Drew Wintermeyer, David Byer, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. I prowl the rooftops and alleyways at night, searching for justice. Blind justice. A guardian devil. (coughs) No, 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 that's not actually true. I'm not Daredevil, blind attorney by day and fearless crime fighter by night. No, I am J. David Weeder, a podcaster, but you can call me Dave. I do read about Daredevil and his adventures, and I podcast about it on my show, Dave's Daredevil Podcast. You see, it's, it's my Daredevil, you get it, you get it. Every Sunday, I read a Daredevil comic and share my thoughts and feelings on the issue, the characters, and the world of Marvel's Man Without Fear in an easily accessible audio form. And I want to take you along for the ride, so tune in each week as we meet Daredevil, his villains, his loves, and more hornhead goodness than you can shake a billy club at. That is every Sunday on iTunes and at www.daredevilpodcast.com. That is daredevilpodcast.com. Take the dare. Listen to Dave's Daredevil Podcast. Did I really just say take the dare? This is Mick, and I'm from MickRed.com. I'm launching a new comic podcast starting with Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr.'s run on Superman 32. 
I'll also be covering the DC Essential graphic novels. Uh, some I've read before, and many will be new to me. I'll cover those as I read them, and I won't reveal any plot details or spoilers until I get to those. Like any MickRed production I'm on, the language will be family-friendly, so head over to MickRed.com now and subscribe to Mick's Super Comic Cast. That's M-I-C-K-R-E-D.com. Talk to you soon. Okay, so as I said last time, we were talking about John's reading project, Superman reading project, and how he was up to 1963. And we talked about uh, some of the great Silver Age stories he was in the midst of reading. And uh, we talked some about his other podcasting uh, ventures. And we talked a lot of Superman. And if memory serves correctly... We were about to get into the New 52, but more current than that even, the new run of uh, Jeff Johns and John Romita Jr. on uh, the current issues of Superman. So let's pick it up there, shall we? Are not as awesome as I wanted them to be, but they're mm. doing something decent over with Superman. Yeah, I like their story. I think Romita could use a little work in Superman's face. Well, in, in fact, yeah. all of his faces, but... Um, but I don't mind his figures. I don't mind the overall look of Ramita doing Superman. It's an interesting look. It just hadn't wowed me yet. You know, it hadn't said, oh, this is the great John Ramita Jr. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because I, when I heard he was coming over to Superman, not being a Marvel guy, uh, but what I did do last year, was it last summer or the summer before last when Comixology had this big deal with Marvel, they gave away like 700 number one issues at Comixology free. But I was one of the people in there that got in and was downloading it when it crashed. So they made good. So I was able to get 700 free Marvel comic books from Comixology. Nice. Yeah. And so what I did was, as soon as I heard that John Romita Jr. was coming over to do Superman, not knowing anything about him, I went to Comixology, did a search for him, and said, oh, look, I've got a couple of dozen John Romita Jr. comic books from Marvel that he drew, of which some were Captain America. Mm -hmm. And I looked at those and thought, well, damn, that's a really good Captain America. That's, I wouldn't mind that guy drawing Superman. That's, that's a good comic look. That's a good-looking comic book. I think he also did a Daredevil that I thought was pretty cool. I might be miss, missing that. That might not be right. No, yeah, he had, he had he had some stuff on Daredevil too, yeah. So one of the things you said earlier that I kind of was thinking about was that um, with Superman having changed so much, whenever I see somebody reacting to a change, especially a modern change, since that's what people are reacting to unless I get into a time machine, um, but people <laughs> will say things like, that's not Superman. Right. And really, I have to take issue with a comment like that because there have been 75 years of the character. And sure, maybe the thing that draws you to the character is not something that they're focusing on right now. But that doesn't mean it's not Superman. Right. It just means it's not your Superman. It's not what makes you like the character. Right. Because, I mean, really, those first, I don't know three issues of action comics are golden age goodness. I think that, that uh, Grant Morrison run on action was just outstanding to me. I looked forward for, that was the first time in years that I was actually looking forward to an action comic coming out. I couldn't wait. It felt special. Those first particularly, like you say, those first three, four, five issues, they felt special. And they, they, it felt special turning the pages and looking at them. And even though the face, uh, uh, Rags Morales' face of Superman looked a little different, a big grin there, but it was fun to see Superman smiling and running and having a good time and a young, aggressive, you know. Uh, and I know a lot of people got all upset about the whole Mixus Pitalik stuff um, where they think it just got too crazy. To me, I think he kicked it into another gear. It was like, it was like, whoa, you took me at the beginning of the guy with the t-shirts. It's fun. Yeah. Look what he's holding a guy over his head about to drop him off the building. It was a terrific scene. Uh, 
you know, and, and and then the Krypton, he brought Krypton back. He brought back a Krypton that I'm sorry exploded. One of my things with with John Byrne was that I didn't care whether that Krypton that that Krypton deserved to be it needed to be blown up. Right, which which, which was the goal of that's exactly how he wanted you to. Well, it, that's so. how I felt. I thought well <laughs> he did his job. <laughs> he did his job then because I thought there is no saving graces to that planet, and I think that's you're right. We need that now in the new 52. I think Grant Morrison, love him or hate him, laid out a template and a basis for some great stories to be told of both here and Krypton. I think they dropped the ball on the Krypton part. We're trying to, when uh, What's-His-Face tried to do all of the stuff with Superboy and back in time to back in place, they still left those things un, unanswered. And maybe they'll just leave that alone. They'll leave that. The, the, oh, the return of Krypton story, Krypton returns yeah. storyline. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was. Oh man, man. I really was looking forward to that. So was oh, my I. Gosh. Oh, I man. was so looking forward to that because they drop and a I, teaser I, I, a year early with a great image, and you think, I can't wait to see that story. Oh my gosh, and, it was so amazing. Uh, I will say this though, I will say this: the writer of that, the the creator of that storyline, Scott Labdell. Yeah. Um, he had planned to do so much more with the story than he was even, he was actually a, allowed to do. Because by the time that storyline was happening, it became very apparent that Scott Lebdell on Superman was no longer selling. Yeah, yeah. That's and true. so he, he was being cut back. And I, I don't know what we would have gotten, but I'll tell you, um, I really enjoyed some of what Lebdell did. Yeah, me too. Me too. I think it wasn't as consistent as I was hope it would be. But Consistency was was an issue, yes. But there was a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. And people just like to people just like to slag off on a particular name. But there was some really great stuff from Scott Lebdell's Superman run. Uh, he came in with a bang. Yes. And and um, aside from its ending. I rather enjoyed Hell on Earth. Yeah, me too. I liked where it started I, because I was afraid, and th- this may even be part of it, I was afraid when we saw the first pictures of Hell that, oh, God, here's the new Bizarro, and I don't like this, that they're going to make him a Kryptonian. Oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. So I was worried it was going to be you know, the new Bizarro, uh, mm-hmm. and I was so glad that they took it in a whole different direction from from the bizarre and i don't know if that was because i wasn't the only fan and there were a lot of fans that were very verbal about it's the new bizarro and the internet broke in half on it i think i read something somewhere that he had started out with that being a new take on bizarro and then they decided to know let's alter a little bit so we can we can we can use this idea and do things with but it doesn't have to be bizarro we can do other things with bizarro later right and turns out jeff johns ended up having a take on bizarro that he ended up using for forever evil right but um, but yeah, there's there's there really is a lot of good stuff that have come out of Superman. But the, but if the post-crisis Superman came together with the Dan Jurgens um, multi, uh, you know, the weekly storytelling mm-hmm. across the three and then four titles, mm-hmm. if that's whenever that Superman era gelled, we have not yet had that with this Superman. Yeah, and. Pro- one of the things you said, as you said, is one of the problems is so many, so much creative team rotation. My f- one of my favorite books, Supergirl, lost its creative team less than two years into the run, and I don't think it's ever recovered. I don't think it has either. And there was so much potential for her because they brought back the real Kara again. You know, mm-hmm. this was they they had an opportunity, and I think they just played this teen angst thing way too long although i must admit in spite of the problems i have with her costume (laughs) i must admit that uh i thought that was a pretty clever idea uh even though it was kind of temporary taking this anger that she has had for two years and kind of funneling that through one of their green lantern storylines their red lantern thing i thought that was pretty clever i did like that it's not that the book has has been bad necessarily But the magic that it had in its first couple of years 
I don't, I haven't felt. Yeah. I think it, it, it had potential because, um, it started off with a great, um, creative team and I understand the angst. I understand being 16 year old, uh, at home on Monday and waking up Friday on a different planet. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant take on the Supergirl character where the Superman, he grew up here. He didn't know Krypton her literally a week ago. She was on Krypton in her mind and now it's all gone. It's years later, everything. That's a great premise to put a 16 year old super powered girl into. But then they basically pushed every cool aspect of that away from her and just made her another angry young woman who is going to yell at you first. And the only help you have, the only other Kryptonian here, you fight every time you see him. Right. So, you know, that kind of lost me on that. And I felt really bad dropping the book. I didn't feel bad about dropping Superboy. I didn't like Superboy from the beginning. I don't like the premise of, of the clone and then calling him Superboy. Make up another name. You made up a name for Bizarro. You made up a name for some other guy. This is a clone that has part of Superman's junk in him. Um, come up with a different name. Don't call him Superboy. Save Superboy for the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. That'll never well, happen, and, but that's what I want. Part of that's because they were trying to have their cake and eat it too with the 90s version of Superboy because that's where the whole clone concept came from. Right, right. They were, they were, they were doing a different riff on that concept, but they were trying to take the 90s concept a different direction. And so that's... Right. Well, the, the 90s version had two things going for it. You had one, Tom Grummet doing some incredible artwork on the boy. Mm-hmm. And you had writers that wrote the kid with a sense of humor. And uh, he was still trying to be a good kid, you know, even though the, you know, the leather jacket and all that hipster stuff. But you know what I'm saying? He was still trying to, you know, be a good kid. Uh, there were zero redeeming qualities with this Superboy. If they wanted to do the clone, to me, again, I go back to this, the best uh, Superboy clone, the clone Superboy thing has been in the animated stuff the justice league or the uh uh, young young justice Justice. i thought they did a terrific job with him there they really did uh with the tension between superman now realizing oh this is a young clone of me what's my responsibility to this young boy and the young boy having this you know look up to you know the the dynamics there the father son but not quite father son dynamics they handled that really well i think there they have not done that well in superman and i come back to the fact we mentioned in the 90s that one of the reasons that the stories i think worked so well uh in the 90s is one you had good editing mike carlin did a great job editing those books but all of them work together. They actually, writers and and creative people were all in the same room hashing this thing out. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it is today where you've got literally the creative staff is all over the world. Uh, yeah. They're literally all over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have pages being sent to in. Not sent to India as an outsource, but sent to India as in that's where your creative yeah, ta- that's where your, your artist is. Yeah, is. that's where your guy is. And uh, you know whether it's India, there's well, they're all over the world. And um, uh, I like it. I love the fact that that op- does open up the creative pool. It brings more people in and gives more people opportunities. But on the other hand, it's a little hard to have. Um, I would think to have the kind of team meetings they had. For the 90s, especially with the, the big hubbub with the super, you know, the Lois and Clark TV show. Well, no, you can't marry Lois and Clark now because TV show and Mike Carlin, well, what are we going to do? And one of them, I guess it was Ordway that says, well, let's just kill him. <laughs> yeah, great idea. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and and I don't know that they have to go back to a weekly crossover storytelling, no. but I do I do like the idea of the synergy between titles right and right now you only have that between action comics and superman wonder woman right and you know to bring it back to a silver age thing you would think that 
me being a real big Silver Age guy, that the continuity and the synergy between titles wouldn't be that important because obviously as a kid in the 60s, as you found out, you're just starting to get into some of the things where continuity does travel from one book to the next. Or if it happened over here, then let's make sure it happened the same way over there. But literally in the comics as I was a kid, the Superman and Justice League could be off in space doing some sort of thing and something happened, but it didn't matter because now here's Action Comics is going to say something else entirely different than even Superman did. Well, one of the benefits of having that kind of storytelling is that in the Silver Age, each issue had either a complete story or multiple complete stories. Yes. And so if you do something that adds to the mythos in one month of Adventure Comics, Superboy, the next month, can use that. Yes. Different writer. And I am going to go to my grave with the notion that whenever somebody wanted to do the Monel story, they came up with the idea for the Phantom Zone projector and told somebody else to put that in an Adventure Comics issue the month before so that you can mm. plant that scene and make that plot device happen and that I'm going to use it in my story the very next month <laughs> because that's that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. You had the Phantom Zone projector get introduced and the very next issue of Superboy, that's the cure for the Monel story. For the Monel story, yeah. Nowadays, if you have something that, that is in, it impacts Superman and alters the mythos or adds to the mythos, the ongoing events of Superman's narrative in that title might not come to a pause or come up for air or come to a stop where other stories can be entered, inserted in between events. You know, mm-hmm. it might not happen for four or six months. Right. And so, if there's if there's not like a, a, a a consistent effort at synergy between the titles, then you get this sort of weird feeling of, okay, these are all sort of happening before and after, but I'm not really sure exactly how, but after a year, you know, maybe one of them will depend upon the other. I kind of have that feeling right now with, uh, well, uh, I definitely have that feeling with the story that just wrapped Superman Unchained. Yes. I was sitting there going, where does this fit into the continuity? Because it started way like a year and a half ago. Right. I haven't, and, I haven't read eight or nine yet. I haven't read the last two uh, issues of that. But uh, I'm wondering the same thing. Is that going to fit into the regular continuity of the character? If it was anybody else doing that story, I'd say maybe or maybe not. But because it's a Jim Lee book, you know, the, with the, uh, the two guys that are doing Unchained, uh, I have a feeling that, that it's going to, something's going to come up. That's going to be part of the, the way they carry on. It'll be part of the storyline. But comics continuity and figuring out how stories work together within different titles has been a problem ever since, at least as far back <laughs> as the ongoing Thor sagas. Mm. Uh, and, and you have the Avengers coming out, but then you have Thor in space for months at a time. And just how do these fit together? Well, I don't know, but you'll you'll figure it out, I'm sure. Yeah, let them. So yeah. it's not like it's a new 52 thing. It's just you know this this I, I I wish there were a little bit more effort to to gel up the titles. And I think that the only place you have that happening in the super worlds right now is between Action Comics and Superman Wonder Woman. Right. Well, even the other Greg Pak book. Batman Superman right. does not feel like it works well with action comics and Superman Wonder Woman. No, I, I'm actually thinking, you know, when I'm reading Batman Superman, I'm thinking of it as an almost elseworld part of the multiverse. It's, it's, it's an earth two book. It's not really, uh, even though it has all, you know, both, I'm pretty much thinking of that as more influence on an earth two book than a regular that's probably a dumb way to think about it, but you know what I'm saying. I, I, compl- yeah. I take it over there until it has a direct effect on what's going on in action or Superman. Uh, like Superman Wonder Woman. We all know, everybody who knows anything about Superman at all knows <clears throat> this is not going to last forever. This is uh, uh, a time when these, the writers, this creative staff, wanted to tell this story of Superman and Wonder Woman being together. And they took the opportunity of the new reboot of the new 52 to tell this story. But we all know eventually 
Lois and Superman are going to be together in some way, shape, or form, more than just best friends. And how they get around to that and when they get around to that is going to be part of the fun of the ride, I think, of the New 52. And uh, I keep wanting to tell people when I see it online where people are saying, well, they're supposed to be together. Let's get this going now. And I'm, you know, that's not how they tell stories nowadays. You know, right. in the 60s, yes, because you've got the complete imaginary novel of, of Superman going back to Krypton, falling in love with Lila Doral, having the whole world, uh, a whole different life, and then having to come back to Earth. I mean, you know, um, he could do those things because they did them in one story, in one comic, not tell, tell one story with little subplots over the course of 12 to 24 issues or so. Um you know, it's a whole different way of telling stories now. And I think a lot of that is because that obviously the readers are older. They're not writing these things for that 11-year-old that I was in 1963. They really are writing the stories for the 20s and 30-somethings yes. that, are, that are reading them. They're, they're not writing to kids. Yeah. And, and I don't fault them for that. They're no, just the, no I don't fault them. That's just the way the business is and the way things are. Uh, one more thing. I don't, Go ahead. I, I just can say I don't necessarily feel the need for the Wonder Woman relationship to end. I feel like they've hinted on how it's going to end. Right. I feel like some of the philosophical differences between Clark and Diana are eventually come to going to come to a head. Yeah. I think that that is a thing. You know, they're the editorial staff, Johns, the DO, maybe others. They have some universe-spanning events that they want to have happen. Right. Putting Clark and Super, uh, putting Clark and Superman together. <laughs> putting Clark and Diana together was one of those things. Right. Um, I I think that they are planning for that to eventually go away in a very specific fashion. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't feel the need for that to happen anytime soon. Mm-mm. If it weren't for that feeling that Johns and Didier are almost definitely going to do that, I would say, you know what? Forget Lois. I mean, if if Barry Allen does not have to be with Iris, why does Clark have to be with Lois? Exactly. Exactly. Um, I like him with Diana. I like that relationship. I think that should be the new thing. But I don't think it's, I think they have, I think they have story plans for it. Yeah, I think they have a story and uh, idea for it too. Just before it happened, though, it looked like Dan Jurgens was trying to pin him together with Lucy. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, I thought that was an interesting couple of pages, too, uh, when she showed up and uh, Lois trying to get her sister hooked up with her best friend, Clark. I thought that was fun. And 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 if you if you take Scott Lobdell's weird continuity stuff that he did with the origin of Superboy um, if you take that and, and, and draw all the conclusions that you have to draw from it, then throughout that first year of Superman, he, he was seeing Diana in the background. They were already together because of the way the Justice League timeline fits in with the, the solo titles and everything. So so whenever he was all mopey in the first arc of the, of the George Perez stuff and then whenever he was – you know, being a little flirty with with Lucy and the and the Dan Jurgen stuff, he was actually already starting to see Diana, hmm. and uh, and that's just a little bit weird to hmm. think about. That that's what retconning does to you. Mm-hmm. It makes Interesting. See, I hadn't I hadn't actually put that in there. I kind of took it literally that they started, well, when they did it in the Justice League, kind of. Right, you know. right. It's it's just he. Interesting. Uh, Lovedell did some stuff with the origin of Superboy mm-hmm. that put a few things in a weird order. And I was like, wait a second. Okay, this if this happens here, then that means all this other stuff has to happen before this thing over here. And, <laughs> and that means right. that. So, it, and like I said earlier, I really like continuity. I really like to play with orders of events. But, um, but yeah, if the Superboy storyline that we got from Liddell, and I think it was Superboy 19, maybe mm-hmm. the big origin background, right. uh, if all of that is as it says, then Clark and Diana got together either during the Perez arc, like in between the first couple issues, whenever it's sort of loose timeline storytelling, yeah. or before. Um, I don't know. So 
Interesting. Yeah. And that brings up another thing about the whole Superboy. How many clones are there? Is this the only one? Well, they've already hinted that, well, no, he's actually the second one. And you see, they, they open all these little cans and little teasers throughout the Superboy first 10, 12 issues. And I'm thinking, well, they need to... I guess they could just throw them away. This kid can then sacrifice himself. That's what I thought should happen. Superboy should sacrifice himself dramatically to save the universe. And then we get back to a real, and then the title goes away for several months and then comes back as Superboy, the adventures of Superman when he was a boy. And they do that little Grant Morrison Superboy stuff. There's a great panel in, I think, uh, action number six or seven. Six, yeah. Was it six where the Legion meets uh, young Clark for the first time? Right. God, that was such a good story. It was. Uh, it was a great story. Uh, Talk about your science fiction. That uh, was a great story. God, that line. was a great story. And uh, uh, even though I had you on to talk about Silver Age, we get into New 52, but it is current. Uh, there's some great stuff there. One thing I'll ask you then before we, because uh, I've kept you here a long time, I'll ask you one more thing about the Silver Age and your read through. Because uh, we talked about Superman Red, Superman Blue. We talked briefly about uh, his uh, number 142, 20 issues earlier, of him going back to Krypton. Uh, what else jumped out at you? Because you're also reading not only the Superman in action that we talked about, World's Finest, Justice League. Uh, you also picked up the Jimmy Olsen and the Lois Lane issues. So, uh, yeah, Jimmy Olsen had a flame, uh, flame bird nightwing story where, um, and this is in the Candor trade paperback that came out a few years ago, right? um, where there is a criminal in Candor who has dressed up like Superman and found some way to simulate superpowers. And so they call Superman to come in to stop him. And of course, when he gets to Candor, he doesn't have superpowers. So, um, he and Jimmy Olsen become the dynamic duo of Candor. It's a great the, story. The idea of Nightwing and Flamebird is that they are the Batman and Robin of Candor. The thing that makes this particular story so awesome is that Jimmy Olsen takes a tour of Candor, and you get all this really neat, um, just just off. I don't want to say off the wall because it sounds like I'm putting it down, but just really um, creative, imaginative stuff about Krypton. And the way things were in Candor before the planet exploded, and they're still all preserved in Krypton. So he sees a lot of really, really cool stuff. Superman gets sick eight pages in. So it becomes a Jimmy Olsen story real quick. Um, but it was it was just a fun journey through um, Candor, and he eventually does stop the, the, the super uh, – I forget what they call him. Um, it's, it's not super criminal. It's super – super bandit. Super bandit, right. Because he wore so, a Superman um, costume with a little black mask. I thought it was funny. Right, a little domino mask. And, you know, one of the other things, this is less of a story and more of, a, uh, of, a, of an editorial thing, but one of the things that happened right around the same time is that Adventure Comics changed up its lineup. Um, from issue 300, you had had Superboy taking the first half of the book and the Legion taking the second half right. of the book. And with um, I, uh, 300, I forget now, 310 maybe? I don't know. Um, Early with, 300, you're right. Yeah, the Legion takes the front part with a two-part story. So of the three segments of the book, the Legion take up the first two, and Superboy's solo adventure is relegated to a backup. And this only lasts for six more months. And then the Superboy monthly solo story of Adventure Comics ends. Goodbye. And is replaced with a reprint. Right. Which is when he begins to take a much more larger role in the Legion, which up until that point really only uses Superboy in a nominal sense. Right. Um, the Legion of Superheroes becomes Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes in Adventure Comics. And they do that for a really long time before eventually Adventure Comics becomes a Supergirl book and the Legion goes over to Action Comics. And then after a while, the Superboy eight times a year book becomes Superboy and the Legion of Superheroes. But that's that's all way down the road. For the, 20, for the 25th anniversary, putting the Legion in the front of Adventure Comics 
I don't know if that was intentional to coincide with the time, but it certainly was a big move. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think they thought in terms, uh, other than that one annual, I don't think they actually thought about 25th anniversary. I think it was based on sales and popularity. The Legion uh, had just become so popular and i loved the legion uh is this your first uh, you're reading through now is this basically your first uh uh, uh i don't know what to say the first occurrence of you into the legion reading legion stuff not really um it's ish yeah i mean i don't have a whole lot of experience with the legion i like them um but the silver age is really all i know of them um there was a podcast that I followed a while back. It's sort of pod faded by now as, as they often do called super future friends Mm -hmm. where you have these two 20 something women, um, who are big fans of the Legion from the Legion cartoon. And they've pulled out the Legion archives editions (laughs) and they are irreverently cackling their way through the stories. (laughs) Wonderful. And it is the most amazing, hilarious stuff to listen to. Oh, wonderful. I should pick that up and listen to that. I love the Legion. And um, I think I liked them from the very, very first time I ever saw them as a kid. I just, uh, again, the sci-fi element, the future, the space stuff, the, and as a kid back in those days, the future was always a happy place. It was always a better place. And I Mm -hmm. love the idea that the Legion was put together to protect this beautiful uh, uh, blue gem called the Earth, the perfect Earth. No crime, no vandalism. Everybody was a happy, happy place. But occasionally there were some, you know, interstellar Moby Dicks that need to be (laughs) taken care of. Oh, God, I loved the Legion so much. And you know, one of the first times that I thought was an emotional story was a Legion story, uh, The Death of Pharaoh Lad. I thought that was the first death in comics that I thought, wow, he's they they just really killed that guy. Wow. Yeah, I remember reading The Death of Lightning Lad to Keenan because he has become quite the Legion fan. Oh, good. Um, in fact, while I don't always read every Superman story to him because... Right. There's only so many hours in the day to read stories to him. <laughs> right. um, we have been reading every Legion story since they became a regular thing. Oh, wonderful. Have you and, gotten to the um, one uh, where uh, Lightning Lad died and they had to bring yeah, him we, back? Yeah, we, we read the death of Lightning Lad, and so he was very sad about that. Mm-hmm. And the, the writing is weird for the next couple issues. They're like, are we going to bring back Lightning Lad? Are we going to bring back Lightning Lad? Is there some way he could be alive? <laughs> right. And so then they do the mysterious return of Lightning Lad, and turns out to be his sister at the end. And I'll tell you, my little five-year-old was kind of pissed. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. <laughs> yeah. He was not happy yeah. that Lightning Lad's return turned out to be um, a fake out. Mm. And um, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It did not go down well with him. And then they don't use her right. for like forever, practically. And then they bring her back for a little while. But then after they do that, they even change her powers. Because one of yes, the laws so. in the Legion is you can't have two Legionnaires with the same powers. Really? So, so why are Supergirl she exists, and Superboy still in the Legion? Oh. And I'm looking forward to seeing that happen more often because I want to know how they explain Superboy and Supergirl. Oh, yeah. You're going to love story. that. You're going to love that. You're going to love that. So, because I, I didn't realize that they did Legion stuff together, but I was flipping through Adventure Comics cover gallery and I was like, hey, <laughs> Superboy and Supergirl in the Legion. Yeah. They're all palling around doing stuff. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting how they handle that. Uh, Okay, and then one more thing before I uh, call your Silver Age to an end here this evening. Uh, Justice League number 19. Is that the one with the the copy of the Justice League? That was the one with um, uh, the one with on the cover, the Justice League are on that plank walking towards the rocket ship, the Exiles. Yes. And uh, down at the bottom, yeah, there's, there's a the single copy of the Justice League that, that has right. made them look bad. And so they've exiled themselves from the planet. Yes. yes. And for the first time in a dramatic uh, page, the Justice League members uh, share their secret identities with each other. 
I was so excited <laughs> oh, to so see that. I was like, yes, was the league finally knows who each other is. Right. It's great. And then what happens at the end? Yeah. Yeah. They am- amnesia themselves. <laughs> I, know. I know. Thank you, Silver Age. They do that a lot in the Silver Age. <sighs> amnesia, must like soap operas, it must have happened a lot to people back then. I do not get upset at comics very often, but man, that chapped my heart. I, I was not pleased. And other than that, it was an excellent, excellent oh, story. Oh, it was, it was a great story. Right up to the last cover. page, I think. It was just an excellent, excellent story. And the fact that the secret identities on the cover were watching the Justice yes. League walk blank. And so many people I didn't people realize that until somebody pointed that out to me. And I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And they're holding little signs. Go away. Get lost. Yeah, Justice League. Go home. Yeah, it was just terrific. Terrific story. Uh, one of my other favorite Justice League stories was two or three issues before that. I forget the number. But uh, it's like some villain had made a robot copy of the Justice League and they all have to go to this other planet to fight their robot duplicates. But because there was no water on that planet, they didn't make a robot Aquaman. So Aquaman is kind of like a cheerleader for all the other uh, heroes. And it was actually Aquaman that saves the day for each one of them. It was a great story, too. It was just a fun story. Uh, Well, John, I have... This has been just terrific. We have been all over the map like I knew we would. So I knew that uh, we wouldn't stick to Silver Age, but we talked about what I wanted to talk about, your uh, this terrific reading project that you're on. Well, and, it's slowed down quite a bit because now I basically kind of read along with the comics we're doing for Avengers Inspiration. Right. And we only do one or two comics of that each episode, which means we're going forward at a snail's pace. And I, I paced it out. If 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 we if we continue to do weekly episodes until you know this next slate of Avengers films is done, I'll be in 1965 oh. in five years. <laughs> Ooh, that's a long time. Yeah, that's really really because there's some great so. stories coming up in the 1963 to 1966 or 67. Yeah, and I really don't want to take that long to get there. But there's so much other stuff I'm reading. I've I've, I've got Post Crisis Superman. I've been doing some 90s Image and Wildstorm stuff. I've, I've been reading um, just in the course. The Silver Age project itself includes Green Lantern and Flash and all of the pre Valiant stuff like Turok and Doctor Solar and <laughs> amazing. And I just I'm eating all this stuff up, but there's there's a lot of comics out there, Bob. There are really way too many comics to read. A lot of comics, and there's no way. uh, I looked at my stack over here uh, the other day, and uh, I'm thinking, you know, for a guy who doesn't really quote collect comics anymore, that's a really big stack of comics over there that they just keep coming in. Comics are kind of like naked women, (laughs) because once you see one woman naked. You want to see all of them naked. Once you get into one comic, you really kind of want to read all the comics. Yep. And that's where I am right now. I want to read all the comics. So well, I'm limiting there's... mine uh, uh, to uh, some of my favorite Silver Age comics. Occasionally, there's something you'll put up or something that Billy will mention or something I'll see online. Or just something I'm thinking about doing for my own show. And I think, oh, yeah, God, there was a Silver Age comic. What was that one about? Uh, I'm currently working on... Uh, a bizarro episode. I want to do a bizarro episode because um, out of all of the Superman comics I've read since 1956, which was when I started reading Superman comics, um, only one of them gave me a nightmare. Oh, only one. Was it it a tales of the bizarro world story from adventure? It was, it was the first bizarro story uh, where uh, Superboy, it was in that issue of Superboy. Oh, the first, the first issue, because I almost cried as a little kid reading that at the end. Oh, it's, it's a terribly sad. Oh, thing. what a sad, sad story. <laughs> and they brought that back for the Superboy TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I thought they did a decent job with that, too. Superboy did a great Silver Age handling of the Bizarro character. Yeah, I thought I thought it was amazing. Giving him a Bizarro Lana was straight out of the Bizarro Lois idea from the from the comics. It was it was great. It was great. Um, Well, happily, all of that Bizarro World backup material has been collected now. So if you ever just want to read through all of it, it's there's a Tales of the Bizarro World collection now. Isn't that terrific? See the age we live in. We have yep. access to some of the greatest reading material uh, ever. and uh, it, It's a little bit funny because 
Tales of the Bizarro World was replaced with Legion of Superheroes, <laughs> starting with Adventure Comics 300. Yeah. And there was some backlash in the letters columns. There's like, okay, so the Legion's all right and all, but I really miss Bizarro. <laughs> Me hate Bizarro. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Right. So it's... Right. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, the Legion of Superheroes, I think, took off even more yeah. than the Bizarro stuff. Did. Just terrific stuff. Well, John, again, thank you so much. And before we leave, let's talk a little tiny bit here about the uh, what's happening with your podcasts. Um, you're doing well, some consolidating or something here. Yeah. And starting um, a new podcast project. I am. I, I have podcasts about a lot of different topics over the years. Uh, um, Amazing Spider-Man Classics and New 52 Adventures of Superman. I started a Star Wars show over the summer that, that's kind of gone by the wayside. And and I realized that my muse could be fickle. Hmm. But I love to podcast. I love to talk about the stuff that I'm reading. I like to get into moods and just talk about stuff. So um, I have made a show where I can just talk about whatever strikes my fancy. So John Reads Comics is my Twitter handle. You can follow me at John Reads Comics without an H. There's no H in John. But I decided that my Twitter handle would make a great podcast title. It is a great title. It's a great title. I I think the first of the year is when I'm going to start launching. January 1st is always a great time to start a podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to start launching the John Reads Comics podcast, and every episode I'm going to take a couple of segments and just read and talk my way through a comic. Oh, good. Could be anything. And it could be anything. I have some ideas for series that I'm going to do, mm-hmm. but it might not. It's it's. They'll just be. I'll come back to that series periodically. It's not something I'm going to do every single episode, but like um, the 1980s Transformers comics, um, the 90s Image Wildstorm comics. Um, I just recorded an issue of Morning Glories number one with my daughter because we both love that comic series. And just just whatever I'm reading that I that I want to talk about, since it doesn't really fit the format of the new 52 Adventures of Superman, if I want to talk about a random new Superman comic, it's going to be on John Reed's comics. Mm. So um, if... Uh, if I can sit down and go back to doing like, you know, Superman arcs, I'll, I'll put that back where, you know, the, the new 52 series was. Right. But, um, but for just random talk about a new Superman comic, it'll be here. And, um, I have a lot of reading projects and, and I'll, I'll read stuff that I want to talk about. So I'll just, I'll pull out the podcast and it might be GI Joe. Cause I've been reading those. It, it could be anything. So yeah, it's, um, I read a lot of comics. I like talking about them, and so I made a place where I can do that. Well, I think it's a terrific <laughs> idea. And I, the first time I saw your Twitter handle, I must admit now I'm a Facebook guy. I haven't moved into Twitter yet. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to because, well, I do enough on the social media now. I don't need to go down that rabbit hole too. Uh, <laughs> but but um, the first time that I saw your handle of John Reed's comics, I thought, oh God, that's great. He he's gonna do that. I guarantee he's gonna do that as a podcast. That's <laughs> that's just too good to let that go by. But I hope you do can keep doing uh uh Avengers Inspirations with Lily. I think that's a terrific show. Yeah, that that is where I'm putting the most of my efforts. And then John Reed's comics. I mean, theoretically, it's going to be weekly. But even if it's not, anytime I do any other podcasting besides Avengers Inspirations, it's going to go there. Right. So it'll it'll be it'll be out there. All right. Well, terrific. And uh, keep reading some Silver Age comics when you get a chance. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, all right. See, that was fun. I enjoyed that a lot. What a blast. John M. Wilson. Thank you, sir. Find him on the internets. Okay, people, that'll do it for this week. Thank you for joining me. And once again, tune in next time for another exciting episode in the amazing adventures of the Superman Forever radio podcast. Superman is based on the original character appearing in Action Comics and Superman Magazine. Superman is copyright DC Comics. Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster.
be gone when he gets here, yes, indeed. Oh, I'll sneak around when he gets here, yes, indeed. All right, young man. Uh, you better stay right here where you are. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And I think I hear Mr. Fields coming. Oh. Oi, 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 oi. Are you sure he's coming, Bertie? No. You kid me. No. Yes. Yes, it is. What? Yes, it is, Charlie. <laughs> yes, it's W.C. Fields, all right. Oh, can you see him? Well, I can just see a little of it. Yeah? I can see him sticking his nose in the door. Sticking his nose in the door? Oh, yes. Oh, well, then it'll be five minutes before he gets here. Well, I saw I think 
I'll call him in there, uh, Bill. Just a moment. Oh, Charlie. He's not here. Never mind. Uh, Charlie. Back here. I want you to know that Bill is right here. Yeah. Yes. And he knows all about it. Uh-huh. And Charlie wants to talk to you. Uh, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, good evening, Mr. Fields. What did he say? I said, good evening, that's all. Let's not jump at conclusions. <laughs> Charlie, I've been telling Mr. Fields that you want to apologize. Now, isn't that right? Uh, yes, it is. Yes, I do, Mr. Fields. I do. Uh, well, that's just fine, my little chump. Uh, chum. Yeah. There she goes again. That <laughs> Tell me, my little man, why did you set a trap in my garden? Don't you know there aren't any skunks there? No skunks in your garden? Then? No, no. I'm sorry. No wildlife with one possible exception. My place is occasionally infested with a horde... A herd <laughs> of uh, pink mastodons. Uh, pink mastodons. Oh, elephants. Yeah. That's right, uh. I, I hear that the elephants around your place take aspirin to get rid of W.C. Fields. <laughs> uh, uh, I love a little nipper. Is it true, Edgar, that Charlie can trace his ancestry back to an old chestnut stump, the abode? Of a family of pole cats? Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is like the old days, isn't it, Bill? Yeah, boy. Remember how we used to fight, Mr. Yeah. Fields? Foolish, wasn't it? As far as my yeah. little friend. But we're above that sort of thing now. Yeah, those are the good old days, aren't they, Bill? Yeah, remember the time <laughs> I said I'd uh, slice you into a Venetian blind? Yeah. That was a good one. I think I told her, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Remember how I topped you by saying that makes me shudder? <laughs> that was good. I liked it. Uh, who said you topped me? I topped you. Uh, why, the only laugh you ever got was a sneer from a disgruntled termite. Why? <laughs> you keep that up and you play a return engagement at the hospital. And I'll be careful, my little friend. You know, wood pulp is in the priority list. You long nose anteater. Now, wait a minute. Gentlemen, please, please, gentlemen. I, Bergen, I'm afraid Mr. Fields just doesn't love me anymore. That's all. Don't I... tell me I don't love you or I'll break every knot in your body. Now, wait a minute. That's the wrong attitude, Bill. Why can't we be friends? What do you say, Charlie? Okay, okay. I'll make one more attempt at appeasement. Yes. Then I'll fire on sight. Yes. <laughs> You'll do nothing of the kind, Charlie. You're going to be nice to Mr. Fields. But he doesn't like me. Why, well, I idolize the little chap. I'd do anything for him. Would you, Mr. Fields? Well, I'd be glad to anything well, little chap craves. Yeah, well, Mr. Fields, I have a new bicycle, you see. Oh, would you like a bell? Well, I can, uh, I'm not affluent, but I could uh, buy you a bell. Well, that's nice that I have a bell. But I was just wondering if I could borrow... Oh, I don't suppose it'd be right. Yes, it's all right, Charlie. Oh, no, I love isn't. the little No, child. no, it isn't right. It's, it's, oh. Could I borrow your nose for a taillight? No. <laughs> Looks like a tail, I that's what I think. Oh. 